Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Thank you, gospel. Apply it to our hearts and our lives that we would be better Christian people for this experience tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Do you have a friend? I mean, do you really have a friend? Someone that you consider very special. It might be someone in your family. But you have someone to whom you can go and pour out your heart and soul and lay it all out on the line and you can do it easily and well and it's accepted in the the tone in which you give it. A young boy was asked in a Sunday school class uh, class one time to give a definition for a friend and the little boy said he's a fellow who knows all about you and likes you just the same. And I think that sums it up quite well. If you have that kind of a friend, you have a jewel. You have someone that means all the world. Who knows all about you. The good and the bad. And still likes you. Now we have some fair weather friends that when they find out things that aren't just quite what they ought to be, or we're not as good as they had pictured us to be, or we do something that they don't approve of, they fade away and leave us standing alone. And in times of real need and real trial, we don't find them present. That's not a friend. A friend is one who likes you just like you are and will not forsake you regardless of what you might do. It was John who was the friend of Jesus to the point that he went all the way through the trial and was at the foot of the cross in his time of tremendous need. John was a real friend. The rest of the apostles did not become friends of Jesus for quite some time. So they could not go through all the trials and all of the difficulties without thinking how it might affect them. A real friend will go with you to the end. Through the thick and the thin, through the problems and through the difficulties. I've been introduced on a few occasions, as have you, by someone. They will call me over, or as they have called you over, and say, I want to introduce you to my dearest friend, or to my good friend. Or they may say to someone else, I want to introduce my good friend, you, Doesn't that do something to you for you to realize that you have somebody that considers you so valuable that they will say 
you're their dearest friend. And when they say that, they mean it because you're the kind of person that they consider to be this individual who knows all about you and still likes you just the same. We have all kinds of relationships. We have relationships as fellow brothers and sisters within this church. There is a relationship of pastor to congregation. There is a relationship of Sunday school teacher to, to the students in the class. There is a relationship of the BYF leaders to the kids. And all kinds of relationships. But listen, I would much rather have you as my friend than to have you simply as a member of the congregation. And I would hope that you would much rather consider me as your friend than to consider me as, quote, the pastor. Because it says something more intimate than any other relationship that we can come to. The little thing that I quoted this morning uh, about a mother, when the girl said, I could, didn't have any choice in choosing my mother. None of us have that choice or our father, but we do have a choice when it comes to choosing our friends. And we ought to be careful who we choose, that it is somebody that we can have this kind of relationship with, who will walk the roads with us that we walk, who will share the good and share the bad that we might share. A friend is one who has a special place in one's life. And my point is, Jesus wants to be that friend to you and to me. He does know all about us. And he does like us just the same. He does not turn his back upon us because we goof up. Because we fail. Because we sin. Because we don't match up to the expectations of everybody. He does not turn us aside and go away and leave us standing alone. He stands with us. That's a real friend. A friend is one who has access at all times. We don't have to go through protocol to be able to call up a friend and say, I need to talk. You would have to get an appointment with the President of the United States, if you could get it, if you want to talk with him. But there are a few people close to him that have access to him at any time, day or night, who can walk even into his bedroom and wake him, if necessary, to talk. This is the kind of person that we need as our friend, to whom we can have access, and who has access to us, any day or hour, we can go to that person and say, I need to talk. We can call him up on the phone and say, I need your help. A real friend will never say, it's too late. A real friend will never say, I can't do it. A real friend will always say, I will, to the fullest extent of my capabilities. To be counted as a friend in my book, and I believe Jesus would support it, is to be counted the greatest of all.
So I go back to the initial question. Do you have a friend? Two ways. Do you have a friend upon earth? I think we all need some person that we love enough and respect enough that we would feel comfortable in sitting down with that person and just pour out our soul. And when that person leaves us, they'll like us just the same. But we also need to have that kind of relationship with our Lord. That we can go to Him at any day and hour and pour out our soul and know that He listens with compassion. He listens with an open mind. He listens with an open heart. And He is one that will share with us in good times and bad. Who will weep with us when we weep. Who will... Uh, shout with us when we shout, express joy with us when we have had good fortune. He was one that will build us up and support us. And that's what we need from each other. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. Now he gave four things in the scripture that we read about this relationship of friendship. The characteristics, the characteristics of a good friend. Let me give you what the Lord gave us when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and really our relationship with each other. A good friend is obedient to his friend. A good friend is one, as I have already inferred, is one when you come to your friend and say, I need, will you do? And they will say, to the fullest of my ability, I will. Jesus said, you are my friend when you do what I need for you to do. You're my friend. Back over in Mark 3, 31. The Lord was speaking to a group of people and they were all crowded around him. And his mother and his brothers, James and the others, ever how many there were, were asking for him. And in verse 31, there came then his brethren and his mother and standing outside without sent unto him, calling him. In other words, they sent somebody into him and said, uh, uh, Jesus, we want to see you. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother and my brethren? And he looked around on them, which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my father... The same is my brother and my sister and my mother. What's he talking about? All people, all of his children, all who are saved, who will do his will, who will within their ability, when he asks, perform, are, are those relationships. And he's speaking in, in broader terms and in spiritual terms than simply a physical mother or a physical brother. 
But we could certainly translate that friend. He who is my friend that is sitting here, you're my friend if you do what I ask you to do. Obedience is a demonstration of friendship. A person who will not do your bidding to the fullest extent of their will is not that good friend. Jesus said in John 8, 31, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then truly you are my disciple. If the same attitude that I have, the Lord is saying, is the same as in you, then you're my friend. Do you have a friend? Let's notice another point that he makes. Verse 12 and 13. He said, now, you're my friend if you do what I ask you to do. In 12 and 13, he begins to ask some things. In 12, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Friends of Jesus are people who love each other. This is very important. Over in 1 John 2, 9 and 10. Let me... Get over there. He says this. He that, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. 1 John 5.1 says this. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. I don't know if you've ever understood or ever thought what that verse means, but let, let me point out what it means. Brotherly love is not something that is learned except it is taught of God. We are taught to love each other from within. God teaches us to love each other. It is not taught otherwise. There are two things that I think we need to notice about loving Number one, love is natural for a Christian. It's natural. Secondly, a Christian needs to love, but a Christian needs to be lovable. Do you see the two sides of that particular coin? It is one thing for us to love. It's another thing for us to be capable of being loved. And sometimes we are repulsive in the attitudes that we express and make it pretty difficult for people to love us. It makes it difficult for people to be friends with us because of our attitude or our expression. And this is the type of thing that the Lord is indicating ought not to be in the Christian because we are taught of God to be loving and to be lovable. We are to be as lovable as God is lovable. We are to love as God loves. 
And this, I think, is, is very important. Now, I've done lost my look back to John chapter 5. Is that where it was? John chapter 15, rather. Uh, to go on to notice. And he says now, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he concludes, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Did you see that? The essence of a friend is one who will go to that extreme. And Jesus was one who was our friend in that he went to the extreme. A brother who loves is a brother who will go to any extreme. A friend that is hurting will be recognized and there will be like hurt. A friend will hurt with a friend. A friend will feel the things that a friend feels. A friend will love with comfort. A friend will love with sacrifice. A friend will love with support. A friend will die if need be for the life of the other. And we find all of this in Jesus Christ. We've all, as parents, asked our children, do you love me? And then we say, how much do you love me? And I've had my kids, I love you this much. This is far as they can stretch. Remember when your kids have done that, or you have done it? I love you this much. What are they saying? I love you with all of the capabilities that I've got to do it. We ask them to show us. Show me how much you love me. And they show us. Go to God and say, Lord, do you love me? And the Lord will say, yes, I love you. Then say, Lord, how much do you love me? And the Lord won't go like this. He will point to the cross. See, you see that cross? I sent my only begotten son to that cross. He died for my friends. The supreme sacrifice. I love you that much. I love you that much. Thirdly, he identifies down in verse 15. But there is a difference between friends and slaves. It was interesting that I was asked this evening by Dolly about the word autocrat because it fits well into my sermon. I attended a training course last week on leadership. One type of leader is an autocrat one type is a Democrat, not as opposed to Republican, but Democratic. One is laissez-faire. There are three types of basic types of leadership. The autocratic type is one who is dictatorial and who calls all the shots. Governor Moore, for example, is autocratic. 
I mean, he calls the shots, and there's no question about the fact he calls the shots. And I feel it for a while when he calls the shots. That's his type. There are others who are democratic. That is, they do it by group consensus. And then there are others who just uh, who would let a group go their own way and do their own thing without giving too much direction. An autocratic type, quote, type individual is not all bad. And there are times when one must be autocratic. And, uh, but probably the ideal is somewhere between democratic and autocratic, but that's beside the point. But an autocratic person is a type who would own a slave. I mean, if you took it to the extreme. Slave owners would have been autocratic. In that it made no difference what their plan was in their mind. They never told their slave why they were doing what they were doing. I criticize our state director of health as being autocratic in that he tells us to do things without ever having the slightest idea of why we're supposed to be doing them. And you probably have worked for people like that. I have always believed that the best leadership is one in which people understand why they're being asked to do what they do. But an autocratic person would be the one who would own a slave and say, Slave, go do this. Dig this ditch. Why am I digging the ditch? It's none of your business. You just do what I have ordered you to do. You go do it. And so the slave goes and digs the ditch without ever any real reason as to why he's digging the ditch. The Lord is not autocratic in that he explains that he does not have slaves, he has friends. And friends are people who are a part of the plan and who understands the purpose of what we're doing and he understands the end results. He explains to his friend what is going on. He doesn't go out in blind obedience. We do not work in blind obedience with the Lord. We are instructed and told why we're doing uh, and what we are doing it for. In chapter 8 of John, 31 and 32, we have these words. Jesus said to, the, uh, to those Jews which believed in him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Folks, we know the truth. Because we know the truth, we work on the team with Jesus Christ to accomplish His goals. We're willing to be obedient unto Him because we see the purpose. And what is His purpose? He came into this world to save the lost. And we're a part of the team that will go out and do things that will bring the lost to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, we are His friends in that we are taught what his purpose is and what his plan is, we have reasons for doing what we do. If we do not understand what we are about, it's our own fault because he has instructed us. And it is when we do not comprehend or when we do not understand, when we don't have a clear picture as to what his plan is, that's why we falter and fail. Here's where our shortcomings are. We need to know what God's plan is 
And then we will be not his slaves, but his friends. I have called you friends, he says in that 15th verse. I have called you friends. And then finally, in verse 16, he said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And what did he do? That you should go and bring forth fruit. He has chosen us as his friends in order that we might accomplish something for his cause. There have been people in my life that I admired and respected very greatly and wanted with all my heart to be their friend, but I could not get it accomplished. Have you ever had that experience? I guarantee you one thing. If you want to play ball on the Lord's team, he'll choose you. If you want to be his friend, you can have it. But it will not to be sit on the sidelines, it will be to participate. And he said he has chosen us in order that we might go and bring forth fruit for his kingdom. He said in Luke 14, 23, to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel. Now over the weeks to come, I'm still around here after next Sunday, we'll be talking strongly about our need to reach out. We have got to reach out, not just to the lost in this community, but to the lost around the world. We're going to have to respond to Mark 16, 15, when Jesus said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Let's go back to the beginning question. Do you have a friend who knows all about you and likes you just the same? I want to say two things in closing. If you have that kind of a friend, cherish that friendship and hold on to it with all your might. If you don't have a person like that, you ought to cultivate one. That you can love that greatly. But secondly, we ought to cultivate this friendship of Jesus Christ. Because he wants us to be with him, to do his bidding, and to do the things that will bring others the saving knowledge that we have. Do you have a friend? Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.